0: This week I'm going to talk about alignment with the sacred, or aligning with the sacred. And this this talk is in, has been inspired by the fact that yesterday was the Christian holiday of Pentecost. In the, in the old language, sometimes it's called Whitsunday. And these, these first three days after Pentecost sometimes are called Whitsuntide. So it's Whitsuntide Monday in that sense. Um, Pentecost is about the coming of the Holy Spirit in the Christian understanding, and so I wanted to talk a little about the Trinity to start this Dharma talk, so it's going to be a little bit like Christianity for non-Christians at the beginning of the Dharma talk. Um, as you probably know, the Christian Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father is You could say the transcendent sacred. It's almost like Brahman or cosmic consciousness with a human face. The son who became incarnate in the person of Jesus, in many ways we can think of the person of Jesus like the person of the Buddha, someone who in, in some sense is one of us, like us, but at the same time above us as a kind of example. Uh, much as the historical Buddha was. And then the Holy Spirit, which is easily the most subversive aspect of of the Trinity. Um, Very interesting, at one point a a professor pointed out to us that in, in times of history, when the church had complete lockdown control, and they were dictating everything and everyone was just obeying there was very little concern about the trinity or the holy spirit it would be you know celebrated once or twice a year when it was supposed to and then it would be kind of ignored but those those times in history when there was a lot of grassroots movement and and people getting active and exploring their own spirituality in distinction to what the church was handing down there was tremendous interest in the holy spirit um, one way to frame it is that the Holy Spirit is, is the infinite imminence, the imminence, the infinity that is deep within us, as opposed to the transcendent, which would be the Father, um, the one of the ancient Hindu writings, the Isha Upanishad, talks about how important it is to combine the imminent with the transcendent in our, in our understanding of the sacred. And there's many metaphors to how Father, Son, and Holy Spirit relate to each other. You know, it's, it's this paradox, Father is God, Son is God, Holy Spirit is God, but there's only one God are these three persons in this one God. Um, In his book on the Trinity, his his tome on the Trinity, St. Augustine explored a number of metaphors, and and each one he explored and then rejected as imperfect. But the one that he, even though he rejected it, he went back to it at the end of the book. And it really is a, a, a powerful metaphor in some ways. The lover the loved one and the love that binds. In other words, the love between the Father and the Son became so powerful that it became another person, that it took on a personality of its own, and that the Holy Spirit is is how the the Son is bound to the Father in love. And the, the corollary of that, in many ways, would be, in a Christian understanding, if insofar as I make my life more Christ-like, in so far as I'm embodying the kinds of virtues that 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 Christ advocated, then I'm, as it were, I'm stepping into a more Christ-like role, and I'm being bound to the Father by the Holy Spirit, you know. And so it's almost as if um, there's the opportunity for the individual to be drawn into this this set of relationships. So that's a little about the Christian perspective. And I'll say, I think the one thing that I take from that, I mean, there are many things to take from it, but one thing I would take from it is that the sacred contains intimacy. Intimacy is essential to the sacred. And you might say, we are invited into that intimacy. you might even say that the most fundamental invitation in human life is that invitation into that intimacy. And the word intimacy is a funny word. Um, you know, of course, one of the immediate associations is romance and sexuality and all that. And, and certainly, you know, the the blissful connection that two people have when they're madly in love, you know, that's a wonderful kind of intimacy. That doesn't last very long, even for those two people, but that that moment is a a wonderful, rapturous moment. Um, A very different kind of intimacy is the intimacy between someone who's deathly ill and their doctor. You know, and they're just the the nature of the life and death choices and and the the kinds of things that the doctor will have to put the patient through, you know the treatments and the the patient knows that it's for their best, but you know some of those treatments are in many ways not different from torture, you know depending on the illness and so it's interesting because if I think about the intimacy with the sacred, I think there's ways that it combines both of those. You know, there are moments that are rapturous. There are moments that of tremendous connection and joy, and then there's moments of um, moments of tremendous pain, of tremendous fear, moments of of um, you know being being as it were brought through the ringer by the sacred um, and, and you know, at some level knowing this is good for me, but it, that doesn't make it any easier, that kind of thing. And so what does it mean to be intimate with the sacred and how do we get to that? And that's where I think aligning comes in. What does it mean to align with this experience? Um, what does it mean to align with ourself? You know? You know, if someone asks the simple question, are you aligned with your own values? You know, it's a it's a very interesting, how can I say? We all carry this head picture around of, you know, look at me, I'm a spiritual person, like, you know, I'm great, you know, this kind of thing. And The head picture isn't always the most honest. In fact, the head picture we have is often, you know, um, quite flattering. You know, what does, what would it mean to live a life where I was fully aligned with my values? What would it mean to live a life where I was aligned with my own resonant depths? You know, it's, it's a challenging question. And I think I would say, you know, it's it's a funny thing about spiritual growth and about the path of spiritual growth, because I really think it involves balancing two, two qualities that are ostensibly opposites. And one is, you might say, a, a rigorous, almost ruthless kind of truthfulness about, here's exactly how I'm living my life. Here's exactly how I'm not living up to the way I'd like to be living, you know, and, and almost this unsparing self-honesty, but balancing that with tremendous tenderness, compassion, self-care, self-love. Um, it's so important to keep both of those in balance, because if you just get into the, the, the honesty without any self-care, then that, that can be very cruel and rigid, a kind of a rigid way to treat yourself and then if I go way over to the other side and I'm just in the the self-love and self-care without, without the honesty, then that gets indulgent, you know and so it's very hard to keep that balance One of the one lovely kind of formulation of of the path of spiritual unfolding. It's not really, nothing, you know, there's nothing like a recipe for spiritual unfolding, but there's, there's this hymn to the Holy Spirit, which, which traditionally would be something sung, would have been sung on Pentecost. Vene Sancte Spiritus, come Holy Spirit. And I'm going to quote some lines from this hymn. So this is part of this spoken to the Holy Spirit. Cleanse that which is unclean. Moisten that which is dry. Heal that which hurts. Bend that which is inflexible. Thaw that which is frozen. Straighten out what is misaligned. And it's very it's very poetic in its formulation, but I think it's a, a wonderful uh, kind of synopsis of what spiritual health is, of what mental health is, you know, um, thought what is frozen, bend what is stiff, you know, this kind of thing. And it's funny, I think all of us find these things not not so much through heroic doing, but through letting go, through relaxing, you know. And you might say that it's the, the action of healing, the action of love, and really the action of spiritual growth that it almost happens on its own, and we just have to get out of its way and let it happen. Now, having said that, you know, for any of us, you know, it might take... From you know a heroic level of courage to get to the place where we can let go, you know so it's it's both the easiest thing and the hardest thing. So at this point, I'll share the quote sheet. So I have the hymn to the Holy Spirit at the top, that, that passage. And it really is a, a beautiful Gregorian chant. Um, Will you share it with us, too? Um, I'll, I'd have to look for it on YouTube, to. Oh, no, I think she needs the quote sheet. Oh, oh yes, the quote sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. No, it's fine. I thought you were going to kid me for a moment there, and I was like, what? <laughs> all right quote sheet shared with the zoomies from the chinese sage mungza mungza was you might say the number two guy in the confucius tradition the man who added a heart quality to to confucianism he said the dao is near but people seek it far away what needs to be done in life is simple but people seek it in what is difficult Abu Sayed Abu Kayar said, If you want to be clear and as refreshing as the breath of the morning breeze, like the sun, have nothing but warmth and light for everyone. Goethe said, Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there is one elementary truth, that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. And I love that idea, like, I start to act, and then God meets me halfway, kind of thing. Sri gardata said, Once you realize the road is the goal, and that you are always on the road, not to reach the goal, but to enjoy its beauty and wisdom, life ceases to be a task and becomes natural and simple, in itself an ecstasy. Shinryo Suzuki, apparently he said this in the middle of a sit at one point, each of you is perfect, and all of you could use a little bit of improvement. Thich Han said, Meditation can help us embrace our worries, our fears, our anger, and that is very healing. We let our own natural capacity of healing do the work. Harbhajan Singh Yogi said, Your mind, emotions, and body are instruments and the way you align and tune them determines how well you play life. Ramdas said, Healing does not mean going back to the way things were before, but rather allowing what is new to move us closer to God. Sylvia Borstein said, Mindfulness is the awareness of balanced acceptance of the present moment. It isn't more complicated than that. It's opening to or receiving the present moment pleasant or unpleasant just as it is without either clinging to it or rejecting it. Wayne Dyer said deep within you you know that the only thing that is truly important is being aligned with being in alignment with your spirit. Pema Chodron said the Buddha taught that we're not actually in control, which is a pretty scary idea. But when you let things be as they are, you'll be much happier, more balanced, and compassionate person. Gary Zukov said, Eventually you'll come to understand that love heals everything, and love is all there is. Jack Canfield said, The things that bring you the greatest joy are in alignment with your purpose a couple from Eckhart Tolle. True freedom and the end of suffering is living in such a way as if you had completely chosen whatever you feel or experience in this moment. The inner alignment with the now is the end of suffering. Is suffering really yes, necessary? Yes and no. If you had not suffered you as you had, there would be no depth to you as a human being, no humility, no compassion. You would not be reading this now. Suffering cracks open the ego shell and then comes to the point where it has served as purpose. Suffering is necessary until you realize it is unnecessary. He also said, If you achieve your outer purpose, it will never satisfy you you haven't found your inner purpose, which is awakening, being present, being in alignment with life. True power comes out of the presence. It is the presence. Esther Hicks said, Someone who takes the time to understand their relationship with Source, who actively seeks alignment with their broadest perspective, who deliberately seeks and finds alignment with who they really are, is more charismatic, more attractive, more effective, and more powerful than a group of a million people who have not achieved this alignment. The poet David White said, The lesson we learn from Greek mythology is that when a god touches you, it's both a violation and a blessing. Arjun, Arjuna Arda said, what was considered a peak mystical experience a few years ago is today a basic platform of sanity from which our exploration begins. Jim Hodges says, our assignment comes with the alignment. Too many people look for the assignment without first finding their alignment. And that that. may have a lot to do with corporate culture, but there's something deeply spiritual about it, even if it's not intended. David Simon said, Authenticity is an alignment between your beliefs, desires, and choices in the world. Desire changes throughout the course of life, but an agreement between ideals, aspirations, and deeds is a key to a life of peace, happiness, and success. And Jason Maris says, Transformation is my favorite game, and in my experience, anger and frustration are the results of you not being authentic somewhere in your life or with someone in your life. Being fake about anything creates a block inside of you. Life can't work for you if you don't show up as you are. As you.